does good forever guys hit the follow subscribe button share this with someone who would benefit from it and help us grow as the more we grow the better the episodes we'll get thanks guys for helping us and let's get into the episode Like every day when I was playing, I, I, I kick like 50, 60 balls after the training or before the training to get my shot better. Um, and yeah, 50 balls a day is, uh, is in five days you train, it's like 250 balls a week, a thousand in a month, but in a year it's 12,000. So if you do that more than the guys around you, you get better and better and better. And not talking even about the ball, but also power training. And I was always busy to improve myself. And it's like a growth mindset. And if you have this as a player, then you become better and better. And you will see the, the 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 progress. And maybe not in one year, but in three, four years, you will see a difference. And that's why I'm telling the guys: always improve yourself. If you come with your bag into the club. You already need to have a goal for yourself in training. Because otherwise you train. You're just training and training, but not with a goal. So make a goal for yourself that day what you want to improve. And he's here. He is here. Cristiano has entered the building. Yes, guys, welcome back to this episode of the Sculptor Podcast. In today's episode, we are joined by a ex-professional footballer and someone who is, uh, you can take a lot of lessons from in his career, and it's Nick van der Velden. And Nick, thank you so much for your time today. It's an honor for us to be speaking with you. And if you could give a quick introduction to our listeners, to who you are, and a little bit about your career, that would be awesome. I'm 40, 41 years old at this moment. Uh, um, I played uh, 16 years professional football. I'm, uh, I'm a dad, have a wife and two kids, living uh, in Holland, Amsterdam, and uh, it's nice to be here. Uh, if you have questions, just please ask me. <laughs> All right, um, so let's go into the first few little questions that I've got personally, and Val, as well, if you ever have a little question, feel free to butt in as well. Um, but, Nick, what was your earliest moment in football or as a kid where you started to realize that you wanted to make it to the top, play, play for the biggest teams in the world, and what was that first initial spark that you can remember? First, I just play in the streets, and it was like fun, and uh, every day was fun on the streets. But at a certain moment, I um, I come into the academy of Ajax, the youth academy of Ajax, and then it was in '95, and there was the uh, yeah, uh, there was the year with Louis van Gaal, uh, who won the Champions League, won the World Cup, and uh, for teams, and um, and become champion. So you had the triple. Uh, at that moment. Um, I believed there's a possibility people uh yeah to dream about that, you know. And um for me it was uh yeah, to be part of that club was really amazing. And at that moment I want to be a professional football player. Yeah, awesome. I mean being at such a big club like Ajax, I think that you see such a high standard in front of you and it, it takes your breath away, you know. It's all you want to be a part of and yeah. I think it's it's inspiring. Val, have you got anything quickly? Everything. Um, did you ever have a moment in your career or in your beginning where you thought like it may could slip away that you were not focused enough or that you had like a breakthrough moment that you realized, oh, now I have to focus and I can't sacrifice my dream of becoming a professional? 
Um, to be honest, you have some difficult moments, you know, because maybe an injury or something. I was injured for three, four months on my knee. And then you have, yeah, you have some moments that you think, okay, it's difficult, but never to, never slipped away because I love the game too much. And, uh, and, uh, I want to sa sacrifice everything for it. Almost everything except my family, but, um, sacrifice everything to achieve your dream, your dreams, you know, and, and I love is uh, love is my football. The football is love. Uh, I don't want to do anything without football because, um, I eat, I sleep, I, uh, I breathe football and, and if you want, yeah, always my, my dream is become a professional football player. And if I want to, um, uh, reach that level. Uh, then, then I'm gonna reach my level because I was always uh, I do everything to become a football a pro a pro football player and I leave everything for that and and every time I have a goal I reach it because you need to do anything about your uh, uh, to achieve your goal and that that was my my power you know uh, especially here. Um, for all the young football players who want to become professional, that's I think it's thirty percent talent and seventy percent mindset and attitude, and I think that's the uh, that's the main reason I uh, I achieved my goals because I was here, I was strong, you know, and maybe I was not better than certain players in the youth academy, but um, my persistence was was there, and and I do everything to achieve my goals. I'd love to go in a little bit more on that, Nick, because something that we really like to talk about on this podcast and even what sculpted means is it's up here. And for me and for both Val, yeah, we, we, we really focus on this. And I can already see from just speaking with you that even before you said that you had a strong mind, I just know, right? You, you, you can see with specific people, the way they speak, the way they act, you see it, you radiate it. And even when you said that with the injuries and things like this, it's just an injury, right? You still you still want to play football, and it's it's and it's not even a second question to you. And I also have this as well. So can you explain to us when you're going up in the academy and you've got you know some of the best young talents in the world who are you're competing against every single week? There's obviously going to be tough times, but what type of player were you in training when you were faced with these tough times? Maybe you weren't on the uh, starting 11 for one game. What was your reaction during these tough times? Were you relaxed? Were you okay? Or were you angry? Did you train more? What were the specific things that were going through your mind and what you were doing? Especially the last thing you said. Um, I was always looking in the mirror to myself. What can I do more? What can I do better? I'm not looking at somebody else because I think, I believe... If you are the best version of yourself, your chance will come. I always work harder when I'm not uh, in, in the first uh, first eleven, you know. Yeah. Uh, because I know, and then I go to the coach and say, "Coach, what can I do different? What did I need to do to to play?" Um, so I take the advantage in. Uh, um, how do you say it in English? Um, for me, it was. I would do anything. Uh, if I have the thing not in my hand, you know what I mean? It's difficult to explain. <laughs> when, when, when you have control of the situation, you want to make the best out of it, I guess. And that's I think that, yeah, I think that that's, that's one thing that we also really like stand for is whatever situation we want to control the situation, want to make the best out of it. And I think that what you said is is that whenever there's a situation however difficult it is you still want to be the best version of yourself and you believe that being this best version of yourself maybe it's not now where you'll see these results but eventually when you you know do this for long enough you'll start to get the results that you you know deserve to get and let's go into a bit more of your playing career at an older age and when you break into the men's team um into the first professional men's team that you played in right how was it making your professional debut for Val I, he can also maybe talk about his professional debut 
um, what's going on in your mind? Because obviously for you, playing at such a big academy like Ajax, the pressure is also there. And then playing in front of thousands of people for your first professional men's match, this is going to be a different experience. But did you always feel, you know, was it much of a transition or did you feel like it was something that was normal for you? When I leave Ajax, I went to an amateur club again because I want to play with my friends again. And yeah. The dream was like, um, was vanished for a moment. Um, at the moment I was at the amateur club, I want to come back on the highest level. So I do everything. You know, I'm not going out with friends. I take care of my sleep. I want to be 24 7 uh, mindset on football. And, um, and at the age of 18 or 19, beginning 19, especially a little bit late for, uh, for a pro football player, um, I played my two best games in the amateur club in the first team, in the men's team. And then I got um, um, out, scouted you know, by uh, RKC Waalwijk at the middle club in, uh, in Holland. Um, and they give me the offer for, uh, for one year just to show what you got. And immediately after three months, I would start in the second team. And we, yeah, within three months, I was playing in the, in the first team on the highest level of uh, Holland. Um, and that moment was for me special because you work hard for this moment and uh, to realize that you're at the level where you want to be, uh, that, that's good. But to stay there, that's something else. And, yeah, that, that's where the mindset uh, begins. Yeah. Now, Val, I think his connection's a little bit, um, a little bit sketchy, but I think if he can, maybe, he might have a question about, um, even his, with his career at the moment. So his, um, I think he just sent me a message. So, okay, he, he's having a little bit uh, of difficulties with the connection, but I'll quickly maybe speak on behalf of Val. And with Val, he is 20 years old now, and he is playing his second year in the second division in Greece. And me, I was last season with the third division team in Germany. And Val was fortunate enough to get quite a few minutes in last season. And he's already got a few minutes in this season um, with his team. And for instance, with with Val, he he had a similar experience where um, I think there was a part in Val's career where he he started to flip the switch a little bit. And this was earlier in his career. And you said that in in your career when you went to the semi professional club, you still kept doing all of these things, professional. You still as dedicated as possible, and I think that this is very important. And the 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 question that I want to go into next is, when you're, you you mentioned that you think that staying at the level is harder than getting there, which I also think is true because you hear a lot of people saying this. Now, now that you were at that level, what did you find the most difficult thing was? to actually stay at that level? Was it the training? Was it being in the starting level? Was it performing? What was the most difficult thing to stay in the squad or even, you know, find the next club to progress? This question is for me, right? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, to stay in the first 11 and uh, to show your best every game and to be the most consistently player in the, in the squad. Um, at a young age, it's difficult because you always get a fallback, you know, always, always like this. Because at the beginning, you're very focused as a young young kid. Um, but afterwards, yeah, what happens when it's a little bit with the media attention, with, with the fans, they have something to say to you. Um, so how can you deal with the pressure? And, and, and it's normal that a, um, a young player have a setback. But eventually... It's uh, what's separate from me from the from the greater players is the mindset. So to stay at that level and, and play consistently and always be fit and always be uh, good at the game. So I think that that's the most hardest part um, and how you deal with setbacks. I think that's the hardest part uh, um, as a football pro football player. But yeah. For me, because I like the game so much and then. 
immediately when you play for 60 or 80,000 people. Um, at the beginning, it's a little bit, oh, well, it's nice, man. I dream about this. And, and at the moment you're on the pitch and then everything vanish, like you're uh, playing on the, the, on, the, on the square with my friends. So, so my experience is that you played for this, you work hard for this, so why are you afraid? And just do your thing, you know? Uh, play like you're playing on the streets. It was always my intention. Yeah. Okay. So the trend, the transition that you talk, you know, we can, it, it was both, you know, this was <laughs> what we yeah, like. I feel, and yeah. I think we have the same thing. And I can, I can quickly jump in if uh, you guys can still hear me. But uh, what you just talked about, for example, transitioning, staying consistent over a whole season. I, I uh, will review my last season, for example. It was my first professional contract that I signed in the summer. I came from a non-professional academy in Germany, very small. Uh, I've never played in an academy before, but I always think I had the talent. But I also got recognized by academies uh, from HSV, for example, or from St. Pauli. Uh, I also got some offers, but injuries had set me back. And then I got the chance to sign my first professional contact in Greece. What happened again, second day of preseason, I got injured for seven months um, because of different circumstances. But then I fought my way back. I started training consistently and I got my minutes. And what you just said, I heard a phrase last week, the best players are those that are available for match day. Doesn't matter if you're playing starting eleven or you're in the squad, or you're just available. Because what happens in a season at the beginning is not what, how it finishes or how it goes in between. There, there are injuries, there are setbacks of other players, and the players play who are available. So I think that's a huge aspect as well, trying to stay consistent at a good level. You will make mistakes, and I bet you made mistakes as well. And for me, for example, my first game that I ever played I was so nervous. I played in front of 5,000 fans in a small stadium. We were playing against the champions. On that match day, they secured the title and they were promoted to the, the first league. But my performance didn't stagnate, but my nerves were so bad, I had to get substituted in halftime because my heart couldn't take it anymore. My heart was at 180 beats per minute. I was playing really well, but I couldn't calm down. And I had to tell my coach, honestly, I can't continue. Uh, so that was my first experience. But after I got more and more minutes, it gets easier. I got some more minutes as well. But what I wanted to go into, what was the first feeling you just mentioned already? 60, 80,000 fans. Uh, some scream at you if you're at a away game and um, talking maybe shit or something. Uh, what was your first feeling when you were maybe starting your first professional game? Uh, at first, you see uh, the coach is calling you. You go to the side and then you get a substitution. Of course, you are a little bit nervous because it's your first first game. I, I thought it was 35,000 or 40,000 people in the stadium. Uh, it was Twente, FC Twente away. Yeah, a very amazing uh, crowd. Uh, we get a red card, so we were 10 men. So, yeah, the only thing you can do is run, you know. You cannot do anything more. But I get like uh, 30 minutes. Uh, yeah. The only thing you think of is like I'm proud, you know, because my parents were on the on the on the, on the stands and and yeah, they they helped me with the journey and 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 you're at that moment you're uh, standing next to the pitch and you think, wow, this is it, Nick. You have to do it now, you know. <laughs> and um, and at that moment, um, a little bit a little bit nervous, but I think it's good because it brings you in the right focus. But the game, the game was terrible. Uh, it was 3-1 three, three, behind with 10 men. The only thing I could do was work really hard. I, I didn't do anything good that game because I didn't... I, I, I think I touched three, four balls in 30 minutes. So, any coach say, uh, I was bringing you on because you can bring something, uh, energy, you know, and uh, I, I, we're not... Uh, uh, how do you call it? We're, we're not going to say if it's good or bad. We just bring you on for some energy. And I said, no problem, coach. I make my professional debut, so... I'm really, uh, really excited, but only the win. We didn't win, so that's that's uh, shit. But yeah, so what you say? I recognize what you're saying. Only uh, the only thing I twist in my head later on was if we are playing our way, uh, that it was our crowd, you know, so not the crowd of the opponent, but my crowd. So this was the switch I make in my head and just play football because you like football. 
So why are you, why are you nervous? You're not nervous when you play in the streets. So why are you nervous to play in the stadiums? And that, that changed my mindset. Yeah, one, one thing with that, I, I think um, I was told about it in this way, right? The same pass that you play by yourself on the street is the exact same pass in front of 90,000 people. It's just the way that we think about it, right? If I'm thinking that the pass in front of 90,000 people is more important, okay, sure, maybe it is more important, but actually it's the exact same pass that I do by myself, you know, wherever. It's just the way that I think about it. And I think that, Nick, you was talking about how even the way that you frame it in your mind is that you're playing, you're, you're here to have fun. You want to enjoy the football. And I think that for me as well, this is the best way that I found um, to deal with these types of moments because we, I think we can all remember just having the best time of our lives, playing football, enjoying, kicking about. And this is, this is what brings us joy. You know, and then as soon as we go into an environment where there's so much pressure, some people they crack, right? But the way that I've found that I can deal with it the best is by just enjoying myself. Whatever happens, I can deal with. But for me to play my best, I know that I need to be having fun. So I think that this is a powerful technique. But that also, I want to try and transition into the next kind of topic, which is. In the later stages of your career, Nick, you went to Scotland and Indonesia. Yeah. And this is topical because I just moved to Budapest and I know how difficult it is moving um, countries. I've done it four times now and every six months I'm moving. It's crazy. I live a crazy life for a 19-year-old. Um, but... How did this go for you and why did you choose to go? I, I believe you went to Scotland first and then you went to Indonesia. So what made you go to Scotland and how did that go for you? I was 19 to start my professional career and at 34, I'm still playing at the highest level in Holland. But my dream yeah. was always to play abroad and I never get the, the moment. It was one time I had the opportunity to play in Russia. Only at that moment, I was very sick. So I could not uh, fly. It was the last day on the transfer market. Uh, deadline, I mean the deadline of the transfer. So for me, yeah, I want to go abroad one day because that was, that was a goal for me. If it's, it's in Europe or outside of Europe, it uh, doesn't matter. But so that one year in Scotland, I, uh, I spoke to my manager. I want to go abroad. So yeah, Dundee United said, yeah. Let's play one one day trial. You're 34. I want to see how fit you are. At that moment, I was at my fittest. So um, I always take care of my body and um, still, yeah, still playing uh, sometimes, but not at the level anymore. But <laughs> but um, that was an uh, advantage for me. Or I was very fit, and they say immediately after 20 minutes, yeah, come off. Let's go. Sign a contract, and then uh, for one year, I only want to play one year because. Uh, you never know what happens after. So I was 35, almost 36. And then, uh, yeah, Bali United uh, in Asia wants to sign me for one year. Yeah. What player at 36 go to Asia? That's it's crazy. Um, and then I extend one more year. So at almost 38, I was done with my professional career. And I, I did everything I wanted and uh, achieved everything I wanted in my life. And uh, what about, yeah, if we talk about professional football, so... I played uh, in Holland 14 years. I played um, uh, foreign in uh, Scotland and I played two years outside of uh, Europe. So for me, my dream was, uh, yeah, fulfilled. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So your your exotic adventure to Bali interests me a lot because I myself moved to Greece, a very spontaneous decision. The language barrier in issue, a new culture, etc. How was your feeling when you left to Bali United and like, the, for example, the language, how were the teammates, the, the staff, the city and stuff like that? Maybe you could give us some insights how you felt, if you felt comfortable or if, if it was a, you said you extended your stay because you, I assume you liked it. Yeah, of course. Um, at first, uh, I spoke to a few clients and went, I asked, so what would your... Um, your experiences, yeah. everybody was very uh, um, delighted about it because uh, very nice people, respectful people, 
Um, they try to make you feel at home. Um, so I just want to have a look. So my, my manager called me and said, let's go for a, for a week and then, yeah, uh, let's think about it. And then uh, at the moment I was there, I feel straight away at home because my values were the same as them. And very respectful, humble people. Uh, immediately I felt at home. And and there was uh, uh, two Dutch guys as well there at the moment. One guy I already knew from my youth, so it was quite easy for me to, uh, yeah, to to uh, to join the the team, and uh, they they make me very uh, uh, they give me a very good feeling to stay there, and and everything was very good arranged, and uh, if I could play four more years, I would do it. So, I th I think you touched uh, on on a good to topic here about the three players that were Dutch. Uh, yeah. I had a, a bad first year in that sense. I didn't know anyone. We had mainly Greek players or Albanian players, some French players, but they also didn't speak English well. So for me, integrating was a little bit difficult. And before coming to Greece, I never wanted to sign my professional contract in Germany because I felt a little bit uh, frustrated that I didn't get the chance there. No one believed in me. But then I got the chance to sign in Greece. Considering now, I would consider going back to Germany because it's really different playing football with the language barrier is kind of hard, not understanding what your coach wants from you if he doesn't speak English. So uh, this year, I, I have a better team culture in that sense. I feel more comfortable. I have a very young squad. Uh, we are very young, rough age, 23, I think, the average. Um, but I think you transitioning to Bali United with having three uh, Dutch players helped you as well, right? 100%. And one of the Dutch uh, players are, is half Indonesian. So it was my uh, uh, teammate uh, who already played in Holland as well. So he speaks Dutch and he speaks Indonesia. So for me, it was yeah, it was, it was very good. So, um, but I understand that if you play in Greece and different language and you're the only German or uh, European, yeah, you, you feel alone, you know, because you're at home. In your uh, in your room and yeah, everybody else doing his business with his family or friends. You sitting home alone and uh, maybe do some uh, uh, some fitness for yourself. But yeah, it's very hard I think because so. Um, but I, I want to say one thing uh, uh, against you because um, you need to understand that you're doing this because you like the game of football and and I think. If you can manage this, you can manage everything, you know. So uh, keep going, man, and um, and uh, uh, chase your dreams because if you work hard, it will eventually uh, pay out. And thank you, thank you, Mara. Yeah. So let's go, man. Yeah, I will. I will. It's the only thing I can say. Yeah. Um, I have two things that I want to talk about, which is also I think as we have kind of already established, we're all in a similar situation in, in our careers, right? Um, for me, I won't go too much on about the main thing that I want to know because I've gone through this recently. Um, one is that, Nick, when you were in uh, Bali and you had this player who was there with you, did you actually feel like this really helped you? Because I found this situation where I played with a player in Germany for the first time that I actually knew and every other time that I've ever played in Germany I, I never knew anyone but the first time that I actually played with someone that I knew I've I've never had this feeling before it was an it, I felt um I could trust someone I've never had this feeling before there was a different connection here that I've I hadn't had in four years my whole career basically um, did you feel that there was a connection, even if you didn't know him too well before? You said you'd played with him in the youth thing, but I think that did you feel a special connection with this player? You could always trust him on the field. Was this was this something important? I think it's one of the most important things because you have a connection outside the the, the field. You have it as well inside, and the, and it turns out to be because later on there was a fourth Dutch guy coming. They called us the Dutch connection. Yeah, it was crazy. It was a, like a sparkle on the on the pitch, you know. It was it was crazy, and uh, season was very good. Was because normally Bali United was like 15, 16 plays, and wow. now at some point we didn't cut the championship. So for that club, yeah, it was crazy, and and it was not fair because 
there's one one team in uh, Indonesia um, who was led by uh, police uh, men. Um, yeah, they. I don't know how I could say it, but uh, it was our title. But in one way, they tried to manage it with with money that we. Yeah. That, yes, but everybody in Indonesia knows that we are world champions. So the champions was uh, yeah, they took away from us and. But we know we were the real champions, and and we killed every team because of the connection was crazy on the pitch, it was crazy. So I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah. Th this is really important. So that's why I'm a coach now at Azad Alkmaar, um, and and at the moment uh, we don't do telephones when we're eating. We don't do telephones in the dressing room because we we need to talk with each other, and and that's why there will be a better connection. So we try to create a culture that they are talking. Those days, the mobile phones, you know how it is. They're gonna sit on the mobile phones and don't talk to each other. No, you have to be social and uh, and ask, um, so how are you, you know? And uh, uh, what are you doing in your free time? And you know what I mean? Like, I think when you have a connection outside the field, you have a connection inside of the field. Yeah, I, I really like that topic. Um, I know it's a consistent thing in a lot of football teams where, you know, their phones in the changing rooms, but I don't think many people take it seriously. It's just a rule. And I think that what you've said there is important because I spoke to a psychologist about this once and I'm someone who typically is very focused on me. I don't really socialize with, um, I'm very selective, I guess. I socialize, but I'm very selective with who I speak to. And I was speaking with the psychologist I was only trying to get a second opinion of what they think something that I can do to improve just being in a new environment is. And of course, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for me because, you know, I don't know anyone in Germany. I don't know the language too well. All of these different things are there against me. And I spoke to the psychologist and they said that forget, forget the whole football thing. Try and just speak to them and get to know them better. And this, this helps. And as you've said, if, you, there's a, if there's a connection off the field, there's a connection on the field. And I think that if anyone's listening right now who is struggling with even just trying to be more confident in, in your, your team and the people around you, right? You could be an amazing player, but you can't trust the, the, the guy next to you. That's a problem. So you have to build this trust. And this is working smarter and it's working harder. So you have to do the work to get this trust. But you're, you're working very smart to get a good, solid foundation of trust. And that's very important for all footballers. And I don't think that's even just football. I think that goes in all areas of life. Um, but the next thing that I want to go on to is, Nick, when you moved from... Um, so you went directly from Scotland to Bali, is that correct? Now, I do a lot of moving, as I've said. And I just moved um, recently, three to four days ago. This is so difficult. This most recent move was my most difficult. I had to hire a car. I had to um, do 14 hours of travel. It's horrible. I hate it. Now, you had a family at the time as well. That would be even more difficult. I know that some footballers, um, they leave the family and they go for a year. How was this for you? This would have been extremely difficult. Of course, because you uh, you want to see your kids and your wife, um, but she stands after my uh, after my choices. So my wife is very important for me uh, and my kids, of course, because uh, if you want to chase your dreams, yeah, there's some difficulties with it. Uh, but the pluses and the and the minus, you know, you know what I mean. With the plus and the minus, you know what I mean. Yeah, you wait it, and then okay, is it worth to go there and? Uh, and the kids were three and four, so they were not uh, on school yet. So I think, yeah, if you want to go, this is the last chance to go. So, and my wife said, let's go. So the first three months I was searching for houses and I want, I, I want to make everything ready before screaming kids. So I searched for schools, I searched for houses and, and straight away I found everything. They will fly to, uh, to Bali. So, but. What you said, you you already lived in four countries, you know. It's on your 19. That's that's something else. <laughs> I think. Yeah. 
uh, <laughs> but I want to say something. Um, if you want to, uh, to achieve something, you need to be out of your comfort zone. And if you want to learn something, you need to be out of your comfort zone. Otherwise, you don't learn. So I think it's, I don't know why you do this, but is it for yourself or is this? This is only for football. I'm just chasing, chasing the dream. The reason why I came over to Germany from Australia was I knew it's difficult. The goalkeepers in Germany, they're the best in the world. And being a goalkeeper myself, I was thinking, yeah. okay, if I want to be, a, if I want to be the best goalkeeper in the world, I need to go to Germany. And I moved when I was 15 years old. And as you said, uh, even I think earlier in the episode, it's about sacrifice. And you have to be willing to sacrifice all of these things. And I was okay with sacrificing these things. And I'm still doing that till this day. Wow. And uh, at what level are you playing now? At the moment, I'm without a team. I had a... Um, an injury or not an injury but I had a bit of a health problem um so now in Budapest I am a free agent but I do a lot of networking I have a lot of connections um on LinkedIn which is even how I got to you and this is how I try and find a new team I'm hoping for second or third division here in Budapest um just so I can get some games at a professional level or a semi-professional level and work my way up so it's um yeah it's a challenge it's a challenge and that's what i like i like a challenge yeah exactly so it's um football is a crazy thing and 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 as you said nick it's it's when you are outside of your comfort zone i think there's a lot of growth there and and for me and for val and yourself i think that being okay with being outside of your comfort zone and and finding that growth is very important um so with that, I want to go into now, Nick, the transition for your coaching career because it was right after you retired that you then went to coaching. Is that right? Correct. So why did you go into coaching? Especially in my last years. Um, I, I like the, the strategy to play with it, you know. I'm going to see, okay, how's, how's the team playing? 4-2-3-1, 1-3-2-4. One in ball positioning or defense four four too low. So how can we uh, how can we uh, attack those uh, those uh, those teams? So uh, I'm at home and I'm thinking about strategies and and I, I feel like okay I like this man I, this is uh, this is very uh, challenging and uh, so how can we uh, get the games and uh, how can we uh, it's like chess you know uh, think three steps ahead. Uh, how can we uh, uh, create spaces at the moments uh, on the field? Uh, so for me, it was like in the last years, I take also the, the, the younger guys with me under my wings because I know how I was at a younger age. It's, it's, it's good to have someone like a mentor or some guy who helps you and, and, and show you things around. And, and I think that part... Um, at the, at my last year or years, I think, yeah, I'm gonna watch at AZ because my old club, um, and they're very good in the youth academy. Um, so let's have a look and 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 I will see how it works out. So for one and a half year, I invest in myself without contract or whatever, just to um, yeah, just to invest in myself if I like it. And and after the one and a half years, I. Uh, uh, I get a one-year contract from the club because, yeah, I'm not really sure to do uh, uh, to do the coaching. So they give me one year so they can look how I can do it. And, yeah, what's my opinion about it after the year? And during the year, <laughs> I fell in love with, uh, yeah, with the coaching and uh, still doing it now. So and I, like, and I like it a lot because the players at AZ, the vision of AZ, yeah, Really, um, uh, it's the same way I think about football. So, yeah, it's awesome. Just quickly before um, Val, I think you might have something to say. Uh, the the chess analogy that you gave, I really like this because I recently also started to think about football in this way. And there's many different ways where chess, I think, actually translates to football. 
something that I was thinking about recently was even, this is a bit of a football topic here, um, even the way that we pass the ball, if we want to move the ball, so if we want to get through from one side of the chessboard to the other, we move the, you know, pieces from side to side, we need to get as much movement as possible. And when I think about this in football, if we move the ball from one side to the other, to the back quick enough, then our opposition, they don't have enough time to press. They're slow. They stay in the middle. And if we're able to play the ball around, move the ball, one touch, two touch, switch the play. I see this in chess. I also play chess. And I think that this type of helping, it actually really fits. Uh, it, it really helps. And I think it's um, a very, very good way to start problem solving when you're in the game, because this is a skill and you can train this skill. And I think that when you look at teams, you know, your Ajaxes, your your Barcelona's, you see these players, they have this. And and it's it's crazy. These these players are the top level and they've got this. Um yeah. Val, have you got anything that you want to quickly say as well? Yeah. So touching upon the chess analogy, and I want to have Nick's perspective on it from a player's perspective of playing at a very high level and a coach's perspective. Because when I transitioned from the youth academy under nineteens to my first professional team playing in the men's, uh, men's league, you know, different age groups, etc. There's not uh, monogram ages anymore. Um, I felt like in the youth academies, we sometimes overcomplicate things. And what is really essential for playing good football is the simple things. One, two touches, play it along, play simple things and not go too much into, um, like, for example, Center backs, I'm a center back myself, uh, or defenders risk too much by wanting to show off too much. So playing rather the not so risky ball, but therefore helping your teammates out in better positions. I had to learn the hard way by getting screamed at my, at my coach multiple times only because I wanted to have a good uh, situation or play a fantastic long ball, but I put my teammate into a bad position. In the youth academy, I, I would have chosen to uh, to play this ball but now i noticed that in the professional level you try not to get your teammates into a risky situation or get them into a bad position because this could backfire on the whole team so from your perspective like what is the biggest difference you see between youth football you try to coach right now you try to give your touch to the game and what you experienced as a player yourself because i experienced one one touch and two touch games is the most essential yeah, you know, um, I, I understand your your feeling. In the youth, I give the, the the players, I want them to make mistakes. They can play a risky ball, no problem. But if it's not a good ball, um, come back and get some feedback with with images, with videos, and then discuss the the, the thing again. And if you if you learn from that, then the players get better. But if you not ref um, reflect uh, the, the game, so get a reflection of yourself and talk with the coach about it. So they choose their own images, they choose their own videos and they come to me. You want to become a, uh, a good football player. Um, so you take uh, control of the situation. So you get the videos and then bring it to me and then we can discuss something. But at the highest team, so the first team of AZ Alkmaar, you need to win. It doesn't matter what you do. You need to win. That's the professional football. You need to win. Um, but at all the moments you learn from it, that's why our vision at AZ is very good in the youth academy. Um, during the youth academy, from under 11s to under 19s, you can make the mistakes. And only the best will make it who can who learn the most. You know? So a risky ball under 11, under 19, you can do it. But if you really know when you're uh, a first team player, you know exactly when you can play the ball or not. So that development um, is very important. And and our vision of the club is very good. It's it's crazy. You, you don't even know how much uh, work is in that program of AZ. Um, I think it's one of the best of... Uh, one of the best of Europe, I think, um, at this moment. And maybe it's good to look uh, 
come back in Holland one time and then I'll show you. Uh, you you will yeah you will see it was it's a very good program. I think uh, I think from the from the outside it's difficult to explain because it's you know. Yeah, yeah. I think from the outside, um, if you look at the table of the under 18s from uh, AZ right now, uh, I think you're doing a great job. Of I think you, I believe you're first after the four, four, four first uh, after the uh, four first game. No, first four games. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, I think you have ten points. Uh, you draw against Ajax, and you're doing a great job. And I think the youth academies from the Netherlands are very great in terms of um, educating, promoting young players helping them along the path. Yeah. I was just going to say that one thing that I think is it's a, it's a difficult skill and Nick and Val, you might, you might disagree or you might agree, but you both spoke about how the approach when you're in the youth changes when you're in the first team. Now, for me, what I actually try and do is not that because I want to now, as a goalkeeper, maybe it's different because, you know, you, you do have to be safe a lot of the time. But I also don't mind making those mistakes if it's the right play. Now, maybe this is also because um, in the clubs that I was grown up in, they they expect you to, you know, play these balls. If you make the mistake, if it's the right pass, but maybe your technique was a little bit off or maybe, you know, it just wasn't the, it wasn't the right day, you know, whatever it was. I still, even when I'm with the first team, um, with my old team, when I was with the first team, I still would try and play these balls because I knew that it was the right thing to do. And maybe, maybe in an actual professional game, it's going to be a little bit different. Maybe I will adjust naturally. You don't want to make a massive mistake. But I think that also it's a very good skill to... Um, and, and maybe Nick, you can you can talk about this with your career. Maybe you started off playing it more safe, and then later in your career, you felt like you could play these balls and you were having fun. If it's a mistake, it's a mistake. You can deal with it. But is this something that you noticed in your career? Did you start off playing it safe, and then when you got more confident with the team, with with your playing style, did you then start to be more creative and experimental, or was it more consistent? Yeah, I think because um, it, it was difficult uh, because as a young player, you need to find your way in the team. And when you're just here, you're at a young age. Um, of course, as a higher level, you know, than I was used to. So you're not playing your own game. And at the moment, my friends saw me playing in the in, in the stadium and they know how I, how I can play. They say, you're not yourself. Why you why you play simple? Why you play? I say yeah, that's what the coach asked me. So I think it's very important as a coach because I'm in the transition now already for five four years. Um, I give the players the confidence to play, make mistakes, the freedom to play. Yeah, of course, because give them um, um, how do you call that? Uh, give them the confidence. To play yeah. because I think when you give a player the confidence to play, you will see the best version of the player. Yeah. And if you say, "Hey, don't play that ball, don't play that ball, play, you play one two touch," but if it's a creative player, why, why would I say to the player, "Play one or two touch"? It's crazy. Do your thing. And if it's, is that your power? Use your whole. If if the pass and go is your your game, just pass and go, and don't go yeah. dribble. And uh, just just do your uh, do your magic. And of course, if you lose the ball, you need to run back and get the ball back. So at immediately, within three, four seconds, you need to get the ball back. And if you don't do that, then I will be your man uh, to scream at you. <laughs> yeah. The most, when you're on the ball, do your thing. Do what's best for you. And, and yeah, I think if you give the opportunity to the players to be yourself and be themselves and, and give the confidence to them from, like, I, I, like, like you, Phil, uh, the coach is screaming to you and, uh, Maybe you you play normally you play uh, uh, short balls to uh, to get the opponent and drag them away and then play to the other side. You know what I mean? Um, so if I were a coach, I would talk to you, Phil. I say, oh, so uh, what kind of tape? What what kind of uh, people? Uh, what, what kind of person are you? Uh, uh, 
what thing in the in the pitches um, what's your quality uh, and what are the things you need need improvement in um, so I have a vision I have, I have an image of you as a player as a, as, as a person also um, I think that's very important as a coach to talk with your players yeah I like that quite a lot and one of my coaches who really helped me that's something that he said to me which was I will tell you and we will set up the plan for how we play. If you play that ball and you make a mistake, I don't care. That's on me. But if you played that ball and we score a goal off it, brilliant. And this happened. I remember my first few games with him. Maybe there was one or two times where I didn't do what he was wanting me to do. I was playing it safe or maybe whenever I wasn't playing how he wanted me to play. And then as I got more confident in the plays around me, the players around me started doing the exact same thing. Then together, we started to play much better football because we knew that if we made a mistake, it doesn't matter because we wanted to play the best football as possible, which the coach instilled in us. And I think that this is exactly what, Nick, you're saying. And I think that this is a very, very important thing for coaches to take this leadership role, help the players get the best version of themselves. Val, do you have any quick questions before we uh, go on to the last question for Nick? Uh, one last thing I have is going back to this transitioning phase between coach and your professional career. You mentioned before the mindset, you know, uh, living, breathing football. Uh, for me, it's the same. I don't consider football a hobby anymore. It's my life. I love it. I watch football all the time. I love playing football. I have fun on the pitch and stuff like that. But I can imagine I'm not there yet. And I say, luckily, you said, I think it was one year where you tried to invest in, into the coaching. At one and a half years, you invested into the coaching. But how did that feel? Your career is maybe over. The Every day you have training on a professional level or, or, or everything's oriented to the weekends or for match days, etc. I don't even know. I don't even want to think about what do I do all the time? Uh, so what was like going through your head or your emotions after you, I say, finished your career? Luckily, and luckily uh, is what I mean, is um, I could play it until my 38. So I was 19. I played 19 years. Um, luckily, I can do it because I always take good care of my body. I, I didn't have uh, worse injuries or something. Just my team meniscus, my, my knee, um, and an operation on my stomach at the, you know, the, the lower parts you know, mm -hmm. of the stomach. And that's it. Um, and I was always, always fit. So uh, luckily, I can play uh, 19 years or 18 years. And for me, it was done because I reached everything I wanted. Um, and the body at the moment says it's enough. It's enough like this. Of course, I was sad because I couldn't play football anymore at the highest level. But um, I think I. I the only thing I wanted was to play professional football and then you set a new goal you know I want to uh, get some prizes so I was champion of Holland one time I get the, um, the the cup of Holland I get another cup of Holland uh, in, in, in Scotland we get a cup uh, almost champions in uh, I, I play Champions League Europa League so for me it was good you know it was like okay I finished it it was done and immediately I go to to, to coaching so and that's that's the the nearest thing next to football is coaching because you're on the pitch and and I'm a guy I need to to work on the pitch and I'm not a guy who sits after his laptop and I'm not that type of guy um, I want to take uh, responsibilities I want to be uh, uh, leading in uh, certain things so the coaching is the the best way for me after the football coach after the football uh, experiences but yeah of course uh, it was sad because uh, it was really really quick the time 19 years it was like it was like this and it was over you know so that's why I'm telling the players sometimes players don't want to train I said believe me believe me enjoy that you're every day on the pitch because maybe you get an injury you never know so be humble and 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 always be um, 
how do you say that? Always be gladful that you're on the pitch because yeah. there might be a day you can't be on the pitch anymore. So enjoy every day, man, and that you're on the pitch. You can play a ball and, and, and doing what you like. Because I remember it was a, an older player who said he was 34 at the moment and I was 19. He said, enjoy because 15 years is like this. I said, no, man, 15 years is a long time. No, and then every every day we, when I stopped, I was thinking like uh, again, yeah, uh, because the guy told me that um, it was really quick, and and that's true. So I tell my players, enjoy every day, man. Enjoy every day when you're on the pitch. For sure. Because that's yeah. the most important thing, and and, and pray uh, every time you're on the pitch because you never know when it's your last day to to stand on the pitch, and if you have that mindset and enjoy the game every day and want to get better every day even if it's 0.5 percent you know uh try to do your best and and develop every day listen to all the players ask questions to all the players older players and coaches um and and the most important thing i think is um to to get people around you at the same goal because they can lift you up when you're down and 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 lift each other up every time and i think that helped me a lot yeah amazing i think that's very very true and that's how myself and val even we got connected was through linkedin we see each other we see each other in the same we're pursuing the same dream and yeah together we grow we have a podcast now and i think it's very important um but with the episode almost reaching the hour mark now i want to go into the last question for you, Nick, which is three ways which you sculpt yourself every single day. And this is talking about anything, right? Any way you mentioned even just before, improving by 0.5%. What are three ways that you try and make sure that you improve every single day? Um, I'm always curious uh, what I can do better about myself. So maybe the food or the sleep or... Um, uh, certain situations in the pitch, you know. Um, yeah. I always try to talk to my to my players, uh, even when I was playing uh, with him. It was like, um, if I have the ball, what do you ask? What do you want from me? You know, what is the movement you make? So if you talk to the players in before the game, they have a certain structure uh, within the game. Um, I always. Like every day when I was playing, I, I, I kick like 50, 60 balls after the training or before the training to get my shot better. Um, and yeah, 50 balls a day is, yeah, is in five days you train, it's like 250 balls a week and 1,000 in a month. But in a year, it's 12,000. So if you do that more than the guys around you, you get better and better and better. I'm not talking even about the ball, but also power training. And I was always busy to improve myself. And uh, it's like a growth mindset. And if you have this as a player, then you become better and better. And you'll see the, 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 yeah, the, how do you say it, ontwikkeling. Uh, progress. Progress. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. German, a little bit German. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the progress. And maybe not in one year. But in three, four years, you will see a difference. And that's why I'm telling the guys, always improve yourself. If you come with your bag into the club, you already need to have a goal for yourself in the training. Because otherwise you train. You're just training and training, but not with a goal. So make a goal for yourself that day, what you want to improve. And if you keep doing that, you get better and better and better. And nobody can stop you. Yeah, like Cristiano Ronaldo, it's it's an example for a lot of football players. Yeah, I love it. I think that you you said a lot of very good things for, I mean, a lot of our listeners, young footballers. Um, some of them they'll be taking notes, right? I'm taking notes. There's a lot of a lot of good things in here. Um, so Nick, thank you so much for your time today. It was an absolute honor to even speak with you and to have an hour of your time. And, um, yeah, we, we really appreciate everything. Um, I'm not too sure if Fowl's still on. He told me his connection's a little bit shaky, but 
Um, he says thank you as well. If I, I can see him, but I don't know if he can actually speak. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, thank you so much for your time today. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you guys. And I want to wish you uh, the best and keep going and improve yourself. And yeah. Don't let nobody tell you that you can't do it because you can. Yeah. Another. Thank you so much again, Nick. I really appreciate it.